God be the glory. It's uh, very gratifying that uh, we're able to fulfill Dr. Falwell's original vision, which is to play at the very highest level. Guys, I want to tell you, you're representing so many people today. You are living out what people started many years ago. You are walking on their shoulders, their foundation. You make up your mind that you leave this field today with absolutely no regrets that you'll remember. That you left it all out there and you come back in here and I gave it all for Liberty University, my teammates, my coaches. We'll do it together, for we can. For we, we can. can do all things. Do all things. Through Christ Jesus. He strengthens us. Strengthens us. Each and every day. Each and every day. And may God. And may God. Play with play. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to a Sea of Red podcast. My name is Chad Hassan. I am joined by co-host and founder, creator, all things a sea of red.com, John Manson. John, how we doing? Doing great, Chad. Another week that we're undefeated and in the top 25. You know, as our flames keep on rising in the polls up to number 21 this week, it's it's been fun. So, uh, yeah, this episode we got. Um, Scott Simons, defensive coordinator, and then um, we're also talking with Pack uh, Insider. They are going to give us a little bit of uh, information on the Wolfpack, and then we have Liberty Line, who is nine and one on the season, um, putting it out there and laying it all on the line and uh, with his record. So unbelievable, nine and one against the spread. Looking forward to that segment as well. Um, John, it seems like it is insane that we are sitting here in episode nine of the podcast preparing for game number nine of the COVID-stricken 2020 season. Uh, feels just like yesterday. We were sitting there talking about a schedule where we're going to have games. Who are we going to play? People were canceling. This thing is flying by, and I think it's because every moment, it seems like Saturday night after the games, we kind of relax and have a good time. But then Sunday morning, our fan base, our team, everybody's kind of looking forward to the next week because – we have another opportunity to to prove ourselves and to keep rising in the rankings. It's just uh, an exciting time to be a Flames fan. Uh, er- golden era of Liberty Athletics. It is just uh, we are rising to the top. Everything's coming true, and it's just kind of surreal. But uh, it's just amazing how fast time is flying when we keep winning. Yeah, man, it's it's been fun to uh, to enjoy this ride. And as you mentioned, it was such a difficult start to it's been such a difficult 2020 just in general not talking liberty football but also start to the 2020 college football season when you know you kind of alluded to it there where you know we were trying to figure out if there was going to be a season what the season would look like um you know you remember all the hoopla surrounding you know some comments freeze made back in august about um you know testing and, and a lot of the acc teams were clamoring saying we shouldn't be uh playing Liberty and things of that nature. But, you know, all that adversity that the team went through, um, you know, we remember back in in June, you know, it's just been such a long year for everyone, but also for Liberty University, Liberty football. We had players transferring out about racial insensitivities, Um, you know, some highly rated players, uh, Tank Land and Cottrell Clark. And we're sitting here thinking, man, this is not starting off well. You know, how's how things going to go? Is Freeze going to want to leave because he can't recruit players in this environment at Liberty? And and you know, it's hard to believe that that was just you know four, five, six months ago. And 
And now, you know, you go through the, all the turmoil of the offseason about is there going to be a season and, and what's it going to look like and losing four games and adding some back. And, you know, it's just it's just unbelievable to to think that we're really sitting here 8-0. You know, it's almost Thanksgiving and Liberty is st- football is still undefeated and ranked in the top 25. I mean, you know, there's three teams currently uh, 8-0 in all of college football, Notre Dame, BYU. And Liberty, the college football playoff rankings are first revealed uh, next Tuesday. And depending on how things go this weekend, and maybe regardless of how things go this weekend at NC State, Liberty should be ranked in the top 25 of the CFP uh, rankings. I, I mean, all those statements I just said, like, you know, if you would have said that six months ago, maybe two months ago, we probably would have had to been drug tested to make sure we were doing okay. It just, it's just amazing to see uh, what Liberty and what Freeze has been able to do with this program in such short order. Yeah, it's almost, uh, you know, <clears throat> I keep thinking, are we setting ourselves up for a letdown? Are we, are we in too deep in terms of are we just, but this is it, man. This is what college football is all about. I get the, I now get the passion of some of these other P5 schools and teams that are in the rankings regularly. This is fun stuff. You cut on the TV. I mean, you you don't even have to be looking for it anymore. You can cut on the TV and watch a random Packer and Durham ACC coverage. You can watch SportsCenter. You can watch any college football live, uh, any college football show, really, or just search Twitter. I mean, if you, if you follow college football folks on Twitter, Liberty's name is being mentioned regularly and and it's and it's kind of surreal but I get it it's now now uh, it's kind of it's kind of like one of those things where it's a realization of oh wow this is this is college football this is this is the feelings that that fans have when their team is uh playing well so been pretty cool so one thing we don't want to avoid is talking about coach Hugh Freeze and his uh you know the, his name popping up for P5 jobs most specifically um South Carolina so I'll kind of give the timeline of what I saw, and then and then you let me know what what your thoughts are. So um, he gets a contract extension. We talk about how that's probably just to increase his buyout. The number goes from two million to three million, reportedly. Reportedly, by ESPN, it looks like uh, his annual salary jumped to three million. So um, big raise, but also we got to think his buyout went. Um, Hugh is saying all the right things. It, like you've mentioned, his tone has changed over the year. Um, at the beginning of the year and even last year, it was more of, uh, we'll see, well, let's just take it one day at a time. We'll see to most recently, I love Liberty. My family's happy here. It's going to take a special place. So hi- even his tone has changed, but then this sec job comes open where his, one of his big mentors, Steve Spurrier, you know, made a run couple, uh, last decade really, and uh, had some good teams down there. So this job comes open, and now the rubber's meeting the road. Does Hugh Freeze, is he ready to go back to the SEC? Is Greg Sankey ready to have him back in the SEC? And uh, what is this? Is just a posturing for another position somewhere? So at first, when I first heard it, I, I was, I, you know, there were reports out of South Carolina that um, Hugh Freeze wasn't even a candidate. And then you start popping up and seeing that he's the top candidate per sources and and so um, everybody has sources. We don't know if he's a candidate. We don't know if he's not. But um, what are your thoughts on the South Carolina job specifically? Do you think Freeze ends up there? And uh, how can we prepare as a fan base for for something like that? Yeah, I'm not surprised that the, that job came open necessarily. I'm also not surprised that 
Freeze is one of the leading candidates for the job. We kind of expected that. I am a little surprised that they made the move midseason. Um, but, you know, when I was thinking before, the, you know, things change as, you know, jobs are, are actually become open and the talk is real and not conjecture. But before that Muschamp was fired and, and I heard the rumors of him possibly getting fired and Freeze being a candidate if he does get fired, I wasn't very concerned about him, about Freeze going to South Carolina. I mean, you know, I think ultimately Freeze will end up in the SEC. I think that's going to be his next job when he leaves Liberty. Will that be this year or five years from now? I don't know. Um, but I think he's just waiting to see what job comes available and make it be the right one. Is South Carolina the right one? I mean, I really don't think it is. That's just my personal opinion. I I understand what you're saying about Ski Spurrier, and that is true. Freeze has gone on record saying that Spurrier is one of his coaching mentors and coaching idols. Um, so could he want to to go and try to recreate what um, Spurrier did down there in uh, Columbia? But but things have changed. I mean, when I think about South Carolina, I don't I don't look at it as a you know even top third job in the SEC. You know, I think there's what 14 teams in that league right now. I, I mean, Alabama is obviously at the top. I think Auburn, Georgia, Florida are up in that upper echelon. Uh, then you get to the next tier of, of jobs, you know, and that's where South Carolina, I think, comes in alongside Tennessee and some others. And I just don't – I mean, you're competing against Clemson, which is a juggernaut right now that's in-state. You know, you're going up against them on, on the recruiting turf. And is there that many – prospects that are, you know, four and five star rated recruits in the South Carolina area that you can split them with Clemson and still compete for an SEC championship. I'm not sure if that's the case. Um, you know, one positive for South Carolina for their jobs, they're in the East. You know, they don't have to compete against LSU, Alabama and Auburn every year. You know, it's a little bit of an easier path to the SEC championship game. Um, you know, so that was kind of, those were kind of my first thoughts, you know, before the job came open. And then once it came, came open, that was kind of my initial thoughts too. But as time's gone on, I kind of, it's been up and down. Like there's been moments that I thought, no, he's not going there. Then there's been moments, oh crap, he's probably already out the door and packing his bag and looking for homes down in Columbia. You know, that's just part of, part of this process as a fan and, and everything. But one of the things that I think is interesting is, Football Scoop, which I'm not sure how many of our listeners are familiar with them, but footballscoop.com is kind of a, a college football website that covers primarily coaching changes, um, all areas, all levels of college football and, and NFL, but they, they focus on college. And they, they have an in with Coach Freeze. Coach Freeze has talked to them on record before. They've also broken news about his staff back when he was building it two years ago. And, you know, even beating, you know, Sierra Red and Damien of the News in Advance to stories on, on stuff like that. Um, so they obviously have an in with Freeze, whether it's through his agent or someone else. But when they come out and say Freeze is the leading candidate at South Carolina, that gives me pause because they obviously have they know people that they can talk to people on Freeze's side to dispute that. And that hasn't happened. So that that obviously gives me, like I said, reason to pause. But, you know. Ultimately, it's going to come down to does Freeze think South Carolina is the right position for him? I still, in my, you know, in my heart of hearts, I think that answer is no. Maybe he's, you know, his agent is doing some, you know, back office politicking for um, 
another job to come open. I mean, I know Tennessee is kind of on the radar. I think if Tennessee came open and they offered Freeze, Freeze is going to take that job. So maybe, he, you know, there's some back backdoor negotiations, backroom negotiations going on about trying to get um, the, the Tennessee job open. So I don't know. It's just something we're going to have to deal with. That's something Freeze said on Monday in his press conferences. He said, as long as we keep winning here at Liberty, uh, you're just going to have to deal with those those rumors and, and that, that speculation is just part of having a, a big name coach like him that's been successful at the SEC before. And it just comes with the territory. Yeah. So I, I was totally agree with everything you just said. And and the one thing I would add is I do think that some of this is posturing by Jimmy Sexton, his agent. Um, I don't know if you saw, but he uh, freeze had a quote directly to uh two force or football scoop last night. Um, basically they asked him about the job opening and he said, basically, you know, the first thing is I have no clue if anybody even wants me or not, except for Liberty. And then he, so basically indicating he hadn't been contacted. Um, and he, again, he says, I have no idea if anybody would even want to talk to me and that's okay. I'm at peace with that. So he basically goes on to say the same answer he's been given all week. I'm happy right where I'm at. Total peace. Got great kids here, friends, staff and a great administration. And I've got a house up on the mountain two minutes from campus. So he seems pretty happy here, but you're right. When it comes from football scoop, I'm with you. That's that's coming from Freeze himself, or that's coming from his agent or, or somebody close to Freeze. And um, that could totally be posturing for an Auburn or a Tennessee job if it comes open. Basically, you know, if, if I'm Hugh Freeze and I'm a coach of his stature and, and I'm winning, I'm wanting to get my name out there on the market as a hot coaching candidate as much as possible. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what he does. He's in that profession. I mean, that's his job. And, um, you know, he, he wants to be seen by his peers and by and by those making the hiring decision as a top candidate. So, you know, um, if things ever did sour at Liberty or he just was ready for a new opportunity, that he would have plenty his choice, basically. So I don't think it's South Carolina. I do think it could be Tennessee or Auburn if those jobs come open. And a lot of this stuff we're seeing about him being a, he a top candidate um, from Football Scoop is is just that, just posturing um, by the Freeze camp. And I'm okay with it. I am totally okay with it. Here, listen, Coach Freeze, th this is a message from you from Flames Nation. I'll speak on behalf of Flames Nation. And, John, you correct me if I'm wrong. We are so happy to have Freeze here. Uh, we love what he's done for our program. We've been on a euphoric ride for eight weeks now, nine weeks now, getting ready to play our ninth game. Uh, this would not have been possible without the winning culture that he freezes brought. I mean, just a couple of years ago, we were, we, you know, there is a lot of cynicism in our program. And now we, we take the field and we think that we're going to win or we have a chance to win. And if we don't win, it's okay. We, we know that we have a great coach and a great group of athletes and uh, a great staff. So there's never even questioning those guys if we lose. It's like, well, they were the better team or they played better that day. We haven't been able to say that in a long time. So Coach Freeze, you know, we're, we're happy with what you've done here. You know, you spent two years at Lambeth, two years at Arkansas State. This is your second year at Liberty. Have you reached the ceiling at Liberty? Are we top 25? Is that about as good as we can get? Or do you see us as being college football content, playoff contenders year in and year out? I'm not sure. Uh, where where the ceiling is, if we have much more room to grow. So has he done his job and built this program up? And if so, is it time to move on? I don't know. Either way, we're going to be grateful. We're going to keep living in the moment. We're going to keep being thankful for what he's brought to Liberty. And if he moves on, there will be zero hard feelings. We know that that's the profession. 
and uh, we're excited to see that. So um, I will be a Coach Freeze fan, whether it's in the red and blue or the orange, Tennessee volunteer orange down there in Knoxville. I will be a Hugh Freeze fan. So good stuff, John. It's always just it's just one of those things that that you got to keep keep your finger on the pulse because the second that you don't is the second that it surprises you and then you're just kind of caught off guard with emotions so it definitely is not detracting from the game this weekend and nc at nc state um I'll, I'll let you take first stab at nc state what is your what are your thoughts on the game the team you've watched them play so far a uh, few games so far um what are the keys of the game and just the impact of the game on the program and and what are your just general thoughts yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Um, it always is. And and a lot of me, you know, and maybe it's just being a fan and, and things, but a lot of me starts to wonder is can the team get back to that level that we were all were feeling heading into that Virginia Tech game? You know, and, and you know, that was such a, an emotional high we all were riding going into that game, coming off a bye week when we had just entered the top 25 for the first time. Um, you know, we were still, you know, undefeated at that point in time, but everybody was saying, oh, you haven't beaten anybody. Your record, your opponent's record's four and 28. There's still a lot of negativity around what the team had accomplished to that point. And then all of a sudden you get that win over Virginia Tech. And again, a, a, a huge emotional high. And in my opinion, and in just checking myself, like I'm still riding that wave a little bit. And I probably will for, you know, even after this season's, you know, come and gone. You know, and, and part of me wonders is, is that the same feeling that the players are going through right now? And and then you got all this South Carolina Hugh Freeze um, distraction, if you want to call it that, uh, that comes up too. So I, it'll be a – Freeze has got a bigger challenge for himself this week than he did against Virginia Tech going into that game. One, from a motivation standpoint, it was easy to get the kids motivated two weeks ago going into Virginia Tech. It's going to be a lot more challenging this week. He's also got the South Carolina rumors around his head. And then also his game plan. Like, you know, we've talked about it before. Like, I think anytime Liberty takes to the football field and they got Hugh Freeze on their sidelines, Liberty's at a clear and distinct advantage, except for if maybe they were playing in Alabama, Clemson, or somebody like that in coaching. And from game planning, play calling, motivation tactics from, from Freeze. And but it's going to be hard for him. I mean, what's his game plan going to be this week? We know what it was against Virginia Tech that might have caught him a little off guard, where he went into kind of this, you know, four corners offense from a you know basketball terminology, where he's just holding the ball and, and maintaining possession. Well, you can bet your bottom dollar that Coach Doran over at NC State is preparing for that and, and anticipating that happening. So is Freeze going to draw something else up? Does he think that Liberty is good enough to go toe-to-toe with them and to slow that offense down for NC State? And and I don't know. It'll be So it'll be interesting from a game-planning perspective. Ultimately, like I said, I think this is going to be our Liberty's toughest challenge at this point, Hugh Freeze's toughest challenge at this point. And I hope that the team's able to get focused and able to prepare for NC State because, you know, obviously it'll be a huge win. I don't know. What do you think, Chad? Do you think this would be the biggest win in school history? Um, you know, we're talking about going into Thanksgiving week undefeated and, and still ranked in the top 25. Oh, man. So I'm going to speak with my head here and not my heart. My heart tells me Virginia Tech will always be the biggest win in school history. It's the one that put us on the map here in Virginia. 
it just felt so good. I, I'm still kind of on a high from that, and and I'll ride that all throughout the next few seasons, probably until we play them again in 22 in, in Lynchburg. But as far as if you use your head and think about the impact of the program, by far, this is easy. This is easy because what does it mean? It means that we, we most likely go down to Coastal Carolina uh, on December the 5th undefeated with the chance to beat a top 15 team if they're still ranked. A top 15 team on the road will probably be a favorite in that game to go undefeated on the season, John. That means New Year's Six Bowl. That is unheard of. That is insane. So if we win this game, this is the biggest roadblock between us and a New Year's Six Bowl and all the exposure that comes with that. It's 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 the roadblock that stands between us and top 25 for another 14 days. I'm assuming we're going to beat UMass, and as fans, we can do that. Um, I'm sure if the players are listening, Coach Freeze and the, the staff are listening, they'd completely be disagreeing with me right now. But as fans, we're allowed to skip over UMass. We're going to beat them by 30-plus points. So this win on Saturday in Raleigh would would set us up for just – Set us up for a game where we're going to be favored on the road to go to a New Year's Six Bowl, to remain in the top 25, to potentially go top 10. You know, if we win these next three games, we're top 10. I mean, this is the biggest roadblock right here. So if we win this game, while it won't tug on the heartstrings as much as beating the Hokies did in Lane Stadium, as far as pollsters and national attention, you know, we shook the cage a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago with a win against Syracuse. And we, we kind of landed on the map with a win against Virginia Tech. But to come and solidify both of those with a win with NC State and, and that being our biggest hurdle to undefeated, people have to recognize and have to start legitimizing our program. I still hear, oh, they lost a horrible – talking about Virginia Tech, they lost a tragic game to Liberty. They lost a horrible game to Liberty. They dropped one they should have never dropped against Liberty. You know, if we beat NC State, it's going to be like, wow, those uh, actually that wasn't that bad of a loss. Liberty's just a great team. Hugh Freeze is a great coach. Malik Willis is a fantastic quarterback. They have a good defense. So it's kind of like, you know, I think that this game and its impact on. Uh, so another thing I want to say is top 25. What does that mean for our program? Every week we're on the ticker now. You're sitting there watching college football and you see our scores pop up on the bottom and you see our, our game time. And when we play and who we play and what channel it's on, you see all that pop up on the ticker. Like I mentioned earlier, you got Feinbaum, you got Dan Patrick, you got ESPN, you got SportsCenter, you got everybody talking and tweeting about Liberty. Dick Vitale just tweeted about twi- Liberty. I mean, it, you name it. You can't, you can't search Liberty University or Flames Football on Twitter without seeing tons of massive uh, blue check marks talking about our school. So... The impact there, and then just like I talked about earlier, flipping on the TV, you can't, you don't have to go looking for it anymore. It just pops up in your face and your normal viewing habits, you know? So um, another win like that, keep us in there for 14 more days, assuming we beat UMass, is uh, would be incredible. So uh, I do think it's going to be the toughest challenge of the year, but I do think it would be the biggest win in school history in terms of what does it mean for exposure. I think that this this triples the exposure we would get um, from the Virginia Tech game. It triples the exposure we would get from the Virginia Tech game. And can you imagine that? I mean, what were they saying after Virginia Tech game, John? They were saying, oh, Freeze surprises Virginia Tech. Freeze uh, freeze and Malik Willis go in and shock the Hokies. You know, 
we're the biggest underdog. I mean, literally, we're the biggest underdog as a ranked team to go in. I mean, that doesn't feel good to know that you're ranked, but Vegas and and everyone still thinks that you're you're a two touchdown underdog to Virginia Tech. If we beat Virginia, if we beat NC State, the narrative will be completely different. Oh, these flames are for real. Malik Willis is a Heisman candidate. Hugh Freeze, coach of the year, undefeated, top ten. The whole narrative changes from, oh, they got lucky and beat Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech's coach stinks with timeouts. That narrative will change to, oh, Liberty is a great team, not just they they got lucky and beat Virginia Tech or Virginia Tech's having a bad season or Fuente can't manage his timeouts. The whole narrative will change to Liberty is a great team, and that has me excited. That has the whole, basically, the impact of this game uh, being double or triple of what I think Virginia Tech was, would be on our program. So I know that was a lot there, John. I'm getting fired up. I am ready for Saturday and uh, just looking forward to the the opportunity. And a lot of eyeballs will be on this game um, nationally, especially if we win. So uh, really looking forward to that. John, thank you very much. Uh, final thoughts here on the on the on the podcast. Um, anything else that we're we're missing that we should be uh, talking about? Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit it right on, and, and and I'll be honest, you you convinced me with that little speech right there. I I, I was kind of on the fence, and maybe not as motivated and pumped up for this game, but um, I, you you convinced me this is this will be the biggest game in school history, biggest win in school history, uh, to stay nationally relevant for at least two more weeks, to continue to move up into the top twenty five, and, and maybe knock on the door of the top fifteen. Uh, to be undefeated on Thanksgiving Day when we're sitting around eating some turkey with our family and, and maybe some Hokey fans, uh, maybe some Wolfpack fans. I know we got a large alumni base in uh, in North Carolina as well. That this game might mean even more for them than it does for for some of us, you know, that have lived and, and grown grown up in uh, Virginia. So um, it'll be a big challenge. Um, you know, you, you talked about Malik Willis. I mean. It's just amazing what he's been able to, to to accomplish. You know, I mean, we talked about it before, but it wasn't long ago that we were sitting here thinking, you know, is Chris Ferguson going to be the starting quarterback? Um, I think Malik Willis has kind of, you know, quieted all the doubters. I, I saw this morning he was act, he's actually being lobbied for a 2021 NFL draft pick, which I'm hoping that that noise dies down and, and he stays at Liberty for at least what, another year. Yet he could stay stay for two more years, but. You know, maybe the biggest thing that he's been able to accomplish, we look at all his numbers, but he only has one inter- interception so far this season, which is pretty pretty remarkable. Just his style of quarterback, normally turnovers are, are a big, big issue. And, yes, he's had issues holding on to the ball as far as fumbles. But, um, you know, he's been very um, – you know, his accuracy and ab- ability to avoid the, the uh, interception has been pretty remarkable from a guy that's only got – what, seven starts in his collegiate career now under his belt. So he's still pretty young in his development as a starting quarterback. Yeah, so uh, very good. The This game is a statement game. We go from being the lucky team. We go from Virginia Tech being the bad team. We go from just this flash in the pan to solidifying ourselves as a national contender on the college football scene. This game means a ton for LU, and we can go in there and make a statement. This is the kind of opportunity that we needed and we wanted. This is this game here is the opportunity to go in and make that statement. Virginia Tech, like I said, we surprised some people, we shocked some people. If you've been following the team and you're in turn and you and you know about Liberty and you know about Freeze and Malik, 
you weren't very surprised at Virginia, the Virginia Tech win. I mean, shoot, a lot of us were saying that the 16 point spread was ridiculous. Uh, our guy, uh, Jared, even took liberty on the money line, meaning we'd win the game outright. So that kind of shocked some people outside. But this is the time where we can solidify that. I'm really looking forward to the opportunity. A night game, so I probably have to take a nap on Saturday. John, it's only Tuesday, and I am pumped up. And uh, I don't know how we're going to keep make this last till game day, but it is time. Uh, so really appreciate it. Go Flames. All right, we are joined by Pack Pride um, contributor Corey Smith. Editor. <laughs> uh, Cor- editor. Yeah, okay. So he, he covers uh, the Wolf Pack for Pack Pride. And uh, so uh, grateful to have him join us. We just wanted to preview the game a little bit. Um, Corey, uh, just in general, what are, what are your thoughts on the Liberty football program over the last couple of years? Have you, uh, were you aware of the program? Were you kind of like, oh, it's, it's, it's Falwell School up in Lynchburg? Just can you just talk about the progress of just where, you, where you've known about Liberty and then maybe uh, where they are today and just kind of how fast that rise has been from, from a fan's perspective, maybe three hours away? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things you've noticed about Liberty and what they've been able to do, obviously, they made the shift over to, uh, you know, FBS back in 2017 and then, or well, 2018 was their first year, I guess, as a provisional FBS member. But uh, I mean, seeing what they were able to do, uh, what was it? I mean, I think the numbers were like eight uh, Big Sal championships between 2007 and 2016. And then, uh, you know, obviously bringing Hugh Freeze in over the last two years is has proven how serious they are about uh, wanting this program to be, you know, not just an independent member of, you know, college football, but be, you know, one of the one of the upper tier uh, independent members as well. Uh, so, you, I mean, just watching them from afar, I think, you know, they've they've had a consistent team program for several years. But I think adding Malik Willis this year has just made, you know, having Hugh Freeze last year and adding. Um, Malik Willis to what this offense is able to do has just has taken this team to another, I mean, another stratosphere at this point. So it, it, just from an NC State perspective, I've watched a few games, uh, looked at all the scores, and what is impressing me about this team is the offensive output. It just seems like that the um, coaching staff is doing a really good job putting points on the board and putting the players in place. Um, what has kind of changed over the last couple of years down there? Um, to kind of have they gone to a more up tempo? Have they decided to throw the ball more? Do they just have better, more talented players? What's been the the biggest difference in in this offensive output that we're seeing this year? Yeah, I mean the biggest difference so far this year has been uh, you know just NC State really buying into you know to what Tim Beck brought to the program, a guy that's been a proven offensive coordinator over the years. Uh, was originally with Nebraska several years ago. Uh, and then went to Ohio State and then left Ohio State to go to Texas um, and comes to NC State after, you know, after kind of losing his job as the offensive coordinator at, at Texas. But that was more so not necessarily his offense, but uh, more so on, you know, trying to save a job there at Texas uh, for Tom Herman. So uh, what what you're looking at now is is Tim Beck coming in and, and taking, you know, a really talented offense, but a young offense from last year. Uh, if, you know, I'm actually writing a story right now about it. So I actually have all the numbers in front of me. Uh, last year, they averaged 20.4 points per contest, 
but 16.1 in conference play. Uh, this year, they're already averaging 33.5 points per game, uh, which is you know more than double, uh, and they've only played conference opponents at this point. So the the single non-conference game before the season, everybody's going, oh well, you know they should get a win against Liberty, and now everybody's going, you know Liberty's one of the tougher defenses they're going to face this year. So uh, this is going to be a real test for for NC State. But you know you, you kind of you ask what the difference is. Uh, really, it's just the the players. You know, looking at last year and saying, you know, there's there's a reason why uh, they had to dissect the entire coaching staff and change things, and that was partly on the players. And they've you know they've gone in and 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 really changed who they are uh, as players. Emeka Emezi was a guy that was expected to be to step up last year uh, and and dropped a lot of passes. I mean, just had some really bad games last year, uh, but has has really stepped up. Uh, there was a stat actually earlier this year from Pro Football Focus about the fact that he's not dropped uh, a single target thrown his way, and he's now had over 40 uh, targets thrown at him at this point. Uh, so that that tells you just how much they've stepped up as an offense. And then you know Bam Knight and Ricky Person being two guys that were expected to step up in a big way last year and have really done that uh, this year. Ricky Person being healthy has changed that too. Yeah, it seems like everything's clicking. So. We wanted to ask about the game day atmosphere down there. Every state is different, but uh, how is COVID going to impact game day, and what can we expect when uh, some Liberty rolls into Raleigh um, this Saturday? Yeah, well, you know, obviously the the game day atmosphere is completely different. Normally, if we were talking about a non-COVID year, you know, NC State really prides themselves on on having some of the best tailgating. Uh, you know, really in in the entire state of North Carolina, there's not much that competes with it outside of ECU. Uh, so we're talking about the entire state fairgrounds lot being filled up. And then uh, there's four different lots directly around the stadium that are filled up on a constant basis. And then it stretches all the way down uh, the entire road Trinity lot. And then there's people, I mean, there's people, you know, tailgating like the Wendy's that's, that's right outside of it. Uh, that's obviously not the case this year, but uh, they've, they're only allowing 7% of fans inside of the stadium in North Carolina right now. So that's a, that's a little over 4,000. Uh, they're putting 2,000 on one side, 2,000 on the other side, uh, and that's usually split up between like parents and some of the, um, you know, some of the other uh, season ticket holders on one side, and then the students on the opposite side. Uh, so it hasn't been nearly as loud as you would expect, but uh, they are able to pump in the crowd noise, uh, and they're having, you know, obviously they've had, uh, you know, the 4,000 fans that are allowed to be there. Uh, and they're all fans that are <laughs> extremely appreciative of being able to be there. So you're seeing them, uh, you know, really kind of step up. And, and Dave Doran said this past week that it's made a difference for them so far, even though it is you know, considerably less than, you know, the, the normal 56,000 that they expect at the stadium on a weekly basis. So, yeah, that's the most fans I think Liberty will see all season. I was going back through and it looks like here in Virginia, home games were only allowed a thousand. And then in other places, we've been like Syracuse. They didn't allow any. Um, so Lane Stadium was, again, 1,000 for being in Virginia. So, yeah, this might be the – I know it's only 4,000, but when you said that, I was kind of taken back like, man, that's actually a big crowd. So um, looking forward to that and seeing how that impacts the game. Um, so when NC State takes the field on uh, Saturday and the offensive unit jogs out there, who should we keep our eyes on first couple series to kind of uh, to see if they're how big of an impact they're going to have on the game? Who's one or two players, or maybe a unit that has played really well this year, and uh, maybe we should keep an eye on to see how they're playing. 
Yeah, it's interesting because when you look at what NC State's been able to do this year, a lot of it relies upon you know the wide receivers being able to be effective. Uh, and we've seen that over the last several games. Uh, it was something that NC State struggled with when Bailey Hockman was initially under center. Uh, but you know they've really spread it around to some of their bigger playmakers. Uh, but they the offense has been really multiple this year, so it's kind of hard to pinpoint uh, exact players. But usually the guys that you're going to look for in the wide receiver core is Emeka Amezi uh, and and Kerry Angeline being the tight end uh, that you know is six foot seven. Uh, he's the guy that that makes the biggest impact both down the field. Uh, he's he's had several twenty plus yard catches this year, uh, but also uh, in the red zone. Uh, of his six touchdowns that he has so far this year, four of them have been scored in the red zone. The other two have been on twenty plus yard catches. Uh, and then you know Emeka Emezi is a guy that, as I mentioned earlier, uh, really dependable wide receiver, but also a guy that's a big downfield threat. Uh, and he's he's really kind of his chemistry has gl- grown a lot over the last several weeks with Bailey Hockman. Uh, it's somebody that he didn't play a lot with last year. Uh, because he only Bailey Hockman only played in three games last year and started in two uh, before giving up the the reins to Devin Leary, who uh, was expected to be the starting quarterback this year before having the season-ending injury. Uh, and then in the running back core, you know the guy to watch is is uh, normally uh, going to be Bam Knight, uh, but they split the carries between Bam Knight uh, and Ricky Person. Uh, so we'll we'll see who the leading running back is in that that backfield as well. Uh, they haven't always been especially efficient. Uh, when it comes to the running back core, but usually one running back steps up over the other, and that's usually the guy that carries them down the stretch. So um, whichever one of them you see probably being the more productive back in the beginning is going to be the guy that you're going to see near the end. Uh, but, yeah, you know, and then, I mean, it's difficult because you asked you ask me who, who to watch for. Uh, you know, this past week against Florida State, Thayer Thomas uh, was the guy that went off. He had 11 catches, career high. 135 yards, which is a career high, and had two touchdowns. So uh, they can, you know, the, the offense is becoming really multiple um, at this point, which is something that Tim Beck said at the beginning of the year. And we hadn't really seen it until, you know, now you're looking back on tape and you can see where, you know, where NC State's really being able to find uh, ways to break down zone defenses, which I know is, is something that Liberty really likes to do on their defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it's whenever you're going through that list of players, it, that's kind of the one thing that um, that I think Liberty's offense is kind of other than having Malik Willis up there. Uh, that's one thing that Liberty's done really well this year: spread the ball around. Um, let's move over to the defensive side. You guys have any any Mario Williams over there? Any guys that might make it to the league? Anybody that uh, we should uh, keep our eye on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I don't know that there's necessarily a Mario Williams or a Bradley Chubb uh, along the defensive line right now, but uh, there is a guy named Ali McNeil across the middle that uh, really is the the big name to know. Uh, you know, in, in listening to Hugh Freeze earlier this week, he talked a lot about Ali McNeil uh, at that nose tackle spot, and he he said, you know, I'm not worried about my co- my team confidence. I'm not worried about them uh, how they're going to play, but I am I am kind of worried about that guy in the middle. Uh, because Ali McNeil is a guy that has taken on, uh, you know, he's taken on three blockers all year. They play a three-man front, but he's the guy that has kind of, you know, taken the brunt of of what offensive lines have thrown at him so far this year. Uh, the stats on paper aren't great, uh, but he's graded out all year by Pro Football Focus as the number one defensive tackle in uh, all of Power Five so far this year. Uh, he's a guy that you know has just really for for NC State's defense, he's had to be. 
that got to step up because of what they play with the 3-3-5 defense. Uh, and then the other name to know on the defensive side of the ball at linebacker is, is a guy in Peyton Wilson, uh, who, you know, <laughs> he plays all out all the time. So uh, it's sometimes a, sometimes a great thing for NC State's uh, defense. And at times it's been a detriment, you know, when they faced, uh, you know, running quarterbacks, a lot of times he'll, he'll miss some assignments. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's been something that he's had to, you know, to clean up. Uh, he was able to do it a couple of weeks ago facing Derek King uh, and then missed a couple of assignments that ended up going for, you know, 30 plus yard runs. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do in this game, because that is obviously going to be something he has to be able to, to step up to the plate and do against Malik Willis, a guy that's, you know, rush for over 600 yards this season, which is not something that NC State has seen uh, this year in terms of a, a running quarterback being able to pass the ball and being able to run the ball as efficiently as he does. Yeah, Corey, this is great stuff, man. I really appreciate you coming on. And before we get to our last question here, I just wanted to find out um, where can uh, Liberty fans and our readers and listeners follow you and uh, your game day coverage? Yeah, so the easiest way to follow us is at Pack Pride. Uh, that's uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, and you can follow us on Facebook as well. Um, but also, you know, on, online, our, our website is packpride.com. We're part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, so make sure to check that out. And, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about Liberty this week. We do a lot. Uh, we, we'll be doing, uh, you know, stories throughout the week to be looking at, you know, question marks for NC State. But we also did a five facts earlier today. Uh, my guy, Michael Clark, does a lot with, with that side of things. So, uh, yeah, we'll have we'll have a lot on on both sides of the ball uh, throughout the week. So, any uh, last question is kind of, um, yeah, I guess I just want to get a prediction from you. Maybe not a score prediction, but just uh, overall in general, what are NC State fans? What are you? Uh, you've been doing a lot of coverage of the game. Uh, what is your feeling about the game? Is it going to be high scoring? Is it going to be low scoring? Uh, what are some of the keys? And maybe what's the outcome? Um, you know, what are your thoughts going into this? Well, I don't, I don't want to upset anybody, but I do think uh, somehow, some way, NC State ends up finding a way to win this game. Uh, I know, I'm sure every every you know ACC guy that you've talked to so far this season has probably said the same thing. But uh, you know, when I look at when I look at what NC State does well, um, and look at what Liberty's defense, you know, the way that they play, uh, it's a it's a, a defense very similar to what NC State saw earlier this season in Virginia. Uh, with more of you know zone plays, uh, and so NC State was able to find find ways in in those uh, situations and find holes in zone defenses, and, and was able to you know be really effective. Uh, and I think the play of Bailey Hockman has been been huge for NC State over the last several weeks. Uh, so if I had to give a scoring prediction right now, uh, you know I think it ends up being a really high scoring game. If I had to put a number on, I'd probably say 35-31. Uh, which I know for Liberty fans are like, well, we average 40 points per game. But, uh, you know, I think I think when you, for NC State's defense, they're they're going to be the sole focus of, of really stopping what Malik Willis does uh, and forcing him to pass the ball, which I know has obviously you know gone well so far this season. But uh, their plan is to to give some help to the defensive side of the ball in terms of trying to uh, limit what he does to the passer uh, and then. Uh, be able to really bottle him up as far as a, a runner so far. So we'll we'll see what ends up happening on Saturday, but I do think NC, NC State comes away with a win. If I had to give a scoring prediction again, 35-31 would be my number. Yeah, that's that's uh, super fair. I've kind of, you know, I watched in watched the Florida State game on last Saturday and was just terrified, basically, of what I was seeing. It's, 
it uh you guys have a really solid defense but you guys can put up some points in in a, in a bunches so uh should be a good contest you know i here's something from the liberty side is we had a revenge type game for syracuse uh their athletic director even went out and called out our our testing protocols and stuff and it just kind of didn't sit well with the coach and the coaching staff and administration but then you also had virginia tech who is, you know, in state and a lot of our fans were former Virginia Tech fans, you know, prior to us coming into the FBS. And so there's that whole thing there. I can't really find that with NC State. I know we have a lot of alumni there, but it just seems like for those two previous ACC games, we had that little extra chip on our shoulder. And I'm trying to find out what that is for NC State to give us a chance because, like I said, you guys are, I think I saw the line is down to four maybe three-point favorites at this point. So uh, definitely definitely um, going to be a tough challenge and looking forward to watching the game Saturday. Corey, thank you so much for your time, man, and uh, really great stuff, a lot of hard-hitting stats there that I, I probably didn't catch the first time through. I'll have to go back and re-listen. But uh, thank you very much. We'll definitely be following along your guys' coverage, and uh, good luck Saturday. We're back after a week off. Did you really think Liberty was going to have any problems going 8-0 last week? Of course not. They handled Western Carolina 58-14. Now to the last stop on the Flames' ACC tour of the season. A date under the lights with the NC State Wolfpack in Carter-Finley Stadium in the beautiful city of Raleigh. I can say that because I've lived here for the last 12 years. The Wolfpack, they're 5-3 and three overall, coming off a totally dominating performance at home against Florida State, winning 38-22. The two teams... That being Liberty and NC State, they got one common opponent this year. That's that they both played Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. State lost that game very early in the season by 21 points, but they certainly have improved over the last two months. The Pack they can put up some points on offense, as in six of their eight games, they've scored 30 or more points. Led by Bailey Hockman at quarterback, his numbers have gotten better the last couple of weeks since he's been back at starting quarterback. Defensively for State, they've given up over 40 points in four of their eight games. I suspect by the end of Saturday, that stat will be five out of nine games for Liberty. Offensively, they keep trending in all of the right directions. Malik Willis continues to get more comfortable at quarterback in this offense. The Flames, they've scored 38 or more points in their last five games. I think you can see where the numbers are taking us here. I have two plays for this week. First, the Flames, they're currently a three and a half point underdog. I don't think Liberty needs the three and a half points, so I'm not going to take them. I like the Flames on the money line, which is around plus 140 at most books. I'm also going to continue to roll with Liberty and the over. Some places at 66, some places at 67. I don't think that number really matters because I see this game getting in a combined total score of 70 points. The Flames defense, they've looked better in stretches this season, but they can certainly give up some points. Flames have covered the spread in the last five consecutive games. And the over has hit in the last five road games as well. For this week's Liberty Line, I'm Jared Brooks. 